everyone, and welcome to episode 643 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, ready to do a comic book podcast and not screw around. That's my my mo. This this show. Right. Is that your uh, late into January, almost into February resolution? Sure, but I'm going to break it even faster than I made it, probably. Gotcha. Uh, you know, everyone makes the joke of my resolution is no more resolutions. Oh, but then you break that. So. Right. You break that by doing it. Right. It's an endless cycle, you know? Right. It's one of them paradox. Mm-hmm. It's like two places where you could dock your boats next to each other. It's a paradox. Now, now see, I was going to make the joke about two doctors, but. Ah, okay. Your favorite show. Right. Is that a show, Two Doctors? No, but, well, there's been co- the Two Doctors. That was an episode of a classic Doctor Who, so. Oh, boy. I thought you were, like, making, like, a Scrubs reference or a Doogie no, House reference. Scrubs was really good, reference. man. Yeah. I've never seen a Scrubs. Mm. Well, you should, but you won't, so add it to the list. Well, what I'm adding to the list, Todd, is in our news this week. <laughs> it's the all-DC news section. Ooh. We talked about DC adding incentivization uh, for print readers. Maybe they're adding some more. The dawn of the new DC comic universe is on us. And there's one book that really stands out to me as a surefire A1 silver bullet pick. Okay. And they announced some stuff with the, you know, the the TVs and the movies too, right? Mm. (laughs) Uh, We have conventions this weekend. Uh, we had what we read from this past week, which was Human Target number 11 and Saga number 61. We have what we're looking forward to coming out this week. And uh, even though we have done some uh, readjusting of the upcoming slate of movies, TV shows, and so forth, uh, we don't have anything at least for another two weeks. Uh, but we do have the next two issues of Sandman. And Todd and Joe have issues to discuss Issues 9 and 10, a one-off to kind of set the tone for the rest of the series and the beginning of a new story arc in the doll's house. Yes. So uh, let's get into the news, shall we? Yeah. All right. So this is one that came out literally right after we recorded last week, and it kind of falls in line with the cover gimmick that they're doing on the Doom Doom Patrol book, where it's five different covers and you scratch off the mirror and you see which characters underneath the mirror. Right. Right. So if you remember, Todd, and I know if anyone does, you do where DC would sell the slipcases for. Uh, collections of different stories, right? Right. You'd buy like a Sandman or a Preacher or this or whatever and then you would pay like a little bit extra and you would get like a little fancy slipcase to put them all in. Yes. And that's something that went away a little while ago. But just recently, DC announced that for the current Batman One Bad Day books, they're doing a slipcase for all of those books. Right. So my thought process is, why is DC doing all these things? Uh, Because we're doing previewing the past and mentioning this stuff? (laughs) No. So I actually had a discussion with our local retailer about this, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So the thought process that I had in regards to this was, DC needs to do something to attempt to incentivize 
the print marketplace. Right. Now, I'm not saying that the print marketplace is going away, but DC took a chunk out of their own print marketplace by changing their DC Comics Infinite subscription service thing that the books are available a month after they see print release on that digital platform. Right, closer to the release date than they were before. Right, way closer. And then they had rolled that out, I think it was in October, whenever New York Comic Con was. And they said to retailers that we're going to give you until the beginning of 2023 to readjust any of your orders. We kind of just dropped this in your lap, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's 2023. And again, I have no access to any sort of numbers to any of this, any sort of... Um, you know, other than what DC releases out there, and they're not going to release out there and say, like, hey, our digital numbers are way up and our print numbers are tanking. But I could see DC doing more things like this as a way to incentivize, bolster, keep that possibly changing print uh, fan base. I get what you're saying. And that's a, that's a good theory. That's a good theory. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have the numbers like with our, like you talk to the retailer, maybe, you know, there's something there. My mind just like having this, like, you know, dropped in my lap kind of a deal. I think it's just more of like, uh, like, like a revolution kind of a thing. Like it always comes around. Like we did have the Sandman ones and the people who were like younger, are now in charge who really wanted those or like those when they were offered. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like how 30 years now, you know, we're getting the human target with a justice league international story. It's like, it's all cyclical, you know, I, I, that's the only other thing that I could come up with. It's just right. the gimmicks work, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just interesting to see like two weeks in a row, DC rolls these sort of like, 90s gimmicks out with their books and gimmicks whatever you know right i consider the scratch off one more of a gimmick yeah than a slipcase because slipcases like have been around since the dawn of time you know what i mean since books right so uh but like more of an incentive but again we'll see if like this could be a one and done or this could just be the way of the world that it goes going forward right 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 uh so more dc 2023 stuff um, there's been a lot of press stuff. There's a lot of marketing stuff with the comics, uh, in regards to the dawn of DC, um, you know, setting the pace for the future. A lot of new characters getting new books. Um, you know, they had rolled out stuff of like teased announcements. If you remember, we talked about it like a month or two ago mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, here's our slate of announcements all the way up to July, like of title, like maybe we'll give you a title. Maybe we'll give you like a creative team might, might be working on something, but nothing like really concrete, you know, mm-hmm. So DC start rolling out the concrete stuff this past week. And I would say probably the big gun of all this, uh, is that with artist Nicola Scott, who I love Nicola Scott's stuff from her days way back on the Red Sonja book, right? Right, she, even before that, Secret Six, man. Secret Six as well, yes, yes. Um, so she and Tom Taylor of Nightwing, plus many other things fame, is going to be doing a Titans book. Right. Uh, effectively being in the slot on the schedule where the Justice League book would be. Spoilers for Nightwing 100. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about this. This is awesome. Yep. Um, let me just ask this question. You said writer Tom Taylor, artist Nicola Scott, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't need to know anything else. That's on my pull list. 
<laughs> I don't even know, need to know the name of the title. I'll just go into the retail and be like, yeah, there's a new Tom Taylor Nicola Scott book. Uh, put that on my list. Do you want to know what from company? Just put it on my list. Yeah. Uh, that's a killer creative team, man, I tell you. That is. That is. So, Nicole Scott, really nice. I met her once. Oh, yeah, yeah, she, that's right. Was it she, Baltimore or no? New York. New York proper. Yeah. I helped her find her table. Because uh, <laughs> they had moved people around, and she came, and she was like, oh, this this is where my table's supposed to be. I was like, no, on the website, they moved you over here. I said, I'll come, like, you know, I'll show you where to go. And she came over, and I was like, oh, can, you know, can I get a sketch of my sketchbook? And she's like, ah. Uh, I have a couple people already, but you help me. So come back around like on the third day or so, and I'll take care of you. And she was really nice. But she said baby a lot. She was like, you know, thank you, baby. We're going over to that. I can't do an Australian accent, but it was a lot of, uh, and I thought that was cool. So I was going to say, I thought Nicole and Scott was on the line with us here. It was such a good accent. (laughs) That is true. That is Mm -hmm. true. I'm the Jay Moore of uh, comic book podcasts. Oh, boy. Oh, that's that's terrible to say about yourself. But yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward. It's going to look good and it's going to read pretty. Uh, so yeah, so that's coming out in May. Um, you know, we we push Nightwing all the time. Uh, if Nightwing is scary to you, I don't know. Like, <laughs> hey, you remember the Titans? They're back, and it's going to be right. real good. I can almost be, guarantee it. You know, they're going to be living in a big T. It doesn't stand for Todd, but it should. Um, Titans, you know, go get it. Doesn't stand for terrible. No. Which was what the other one stood for. That stands for Terry Tuesday Terrible. But anyway. How, how dare you? I dare. I dare. All right. Well, I guess it's time to get into the big news, if you will. Right. Uh, so, uh, friend of the show, not really, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Pistol, a.k.a. James Gunn, uh, right. released a six-minute video laying out the plan for uh, the DC Universe, not comics, going forward, starting on 2024, essentially, right? Right. Uh, he goes through the slate that we have for 2023. Those movies are already in the can. Uh, he says that they're all great, they're marvelous, and he can't wait for them, right? Marvelous, huh? Marvelous. Um, he then says that the uh, next chapter, which is going to be the first chapter of what they're doing, uh, because he lays out that they have an 8-10 to 10 year plan, Todd. <laughs> Hope it doesn't go off the tracks after two, but go ahead. Okay, now I'm all for a plan, but we're not. I'm not gonna like. I could just play his six minute video here, and you and I can go get a beverage, right? Right. Um, but I'm uh, just gonna give you the cliff notes of it. Um, the first chapter is called Gods and Monsters. He lays out what the first several um, properties are going to be, and his big thing is. Going forward with whatever the stuff that they do, whether it be animated stuff, whether it be live action TV stuff, whether it be movies, they're all going to be interwoven together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they can get the same voice actor to play the character in the movie or vice or the TV show or vice versa, then they're going to do it, right? Right. So we start off with a Creature Commandos animated show. Right, which I think is really cool. I like that idea. I like that idea, too. Uh, then there's going to be a live-action uh, Amanda Waller show, uh, which more or less is going to be Preacher Season 2. Or Peacemaker Season 2. Or pe- yeah, uh, uh, let's say Preacher. Uh, Peacemaker. Um, so they said they clarified that it essentially is Peacemaker Season 1.5, essentially, right? Right, because Peacemaker Season 2 is now pushed back, but there will be through lines, he said, you know? Right. 
Um, then we have our Superman movie, which is called Superman Legacy. That has a date of July 11th, 2025. Right. We got a live action Lanterns TV show, uh, which essentially is them saying uh, it's True Detective meets Green Lantern. Right. And that original like four Green Lantern TV show is now dead. This is going to like replace right. it. Then we're getting a live action movie of The Authority. Which that one kind of threw me by surprise. Which is interesting. Uh, we're going to get a live action TV series called Paradise Lost, which is going to essentially be a Wonder Woman prequel. Right. A Game of Thrones-esque TV show. Mm-hmm. These are the buzzwords that people know shows from, right? Right, right. And then we're going to get our first in this continuity Batman movie um, <laughs> entitled The Brave and the Bold. And mm-hmm. it's going to be Batman and Damian Wayne Robin. The sequel to the Robert Pattinson movie is still going to happen. I think that's October 2025. More on that shortly. We're getting a live action Booster Gold TV show. Mm-hmm. We're getting a Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow movie specifically based on a Tom King story. Yes, that was that miniseries right. where she goes off planet, which makes me think we're going to get a human target show, but uh, it's, and that's that's later on down the line. That's phase two. Mm-hmm. And then the final movie here is a live-action Swamp Thing movie. Which, take out the Creature Commando cartoon. Yes. And this is the one I'm most looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we'll see because, you know, we'll see if tax breaks kill the, this swamp thing too. Mm-hmm. So I'm optimistic about this. You know, I like James Gunn. I have liked James Gunn for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that him and Peter Safran have a plan and that's the most important thing is a plan, right? Right. Um, and the fact that he's saying that, like, we need to intermix, like, our TV shows and our movies and our animated stuff into one cohesive universe, but where does a thing like the Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves Batman sequel fit in? Those things that are in the pipeline already being made and worthy enough to still continue to be made mm-hmm. are going to be considered Elseworld stories. Right. And they're specifically going to be branded as Elseworld stuff. I think they said that the Batman sequel and the Joker sequel are going to be that so far. Right. That some guy was sitting on a couch and said, hey, that what if on Disney Plus? Well, we could do that. What do we? What can we call that? Elseworlds? We have a thing called Elseworlds? Roll with that. But yeah. <clears throat> I really like that. The only thing that I worry about, Joe, <clears throat> is as they mentioned that the Elseworlds Batman. It's like, okay. We can have our Brave and the Bull Batman. We can have our Elseworlds Batman. And they both make a lot of money, but they both make more money than Superman and Swamp Thing. So let's do two. Let's do a sequel to Batman, Brave and the the Batman and Robin movie. But then we should have two different Elseworlds Batman movies. And then it ends up becoming the comic company as we see it now, where it's like, where it's more Batman than other heroes sometimes. That's the only thing that I worry about. Well, again, you know, there are, so there are some, I'm going to say properties and projects that they're rolling out that are equally high risk and low risk, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I'm just going to start and say, like, the fact that they're starting, like, with an animated thing and a, li- and a live-action TV show thing before they roll into Superman, right? Right. This is to prime the pump to get you ready for what this new universe is going to be. Um, Obviously, unless they go crazy with the casting, the director, the writing, and everything else like that, the next live-action movie being The Authority and not Justice League is a big gamble, but it's not the same cachet where I think they can make an authority movie, which is essentially just a stealth Justice League movie. That they can make an authority movie and at least to the shareholders say, like, well, it's not the same property as the Justice League, but we're going to build this property up so it's equal to the Justice League. So essentially we have two Justice Leagues, which is code to the shareholders of two Avengers. Right. You know who you give authority to? Hmm. Zack Snyder. Now, see, you say that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll ask if you want me to edit this out of the show. No, no. <laughs> but that's the one that he could have done. That would have been a good, you know? Yeah. And who knows? We don't know any, like, uh, other than James Gunn saying that he's doing the script for the Superman movie. Right. We that's don't know anyone who's doing anything. Right. Other than the ones that are already in the pipeline, we we don't know. But as Gods and Monsters is stage one, I'm looking forward to stage two, a cowboy, just a certain cowboy stage two. That's it. Uh, we'll see. I, I hope this works. Like you said, you have to have a plan. Um, I hope it, it it sticks. Change what you have to along the way. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But now they're just stealing what Marvel has done, which is what we said they should have done, what, five years ago, Joe? So what we said they should have done, when did the Flash TV show come out? Oh, my God. Ten years ago? We tell the story all the time, but it bears repeating. Okay. Um the Batman movie came out or the Batman Superman movie comes out, I think. Right. right? And David Goyer was the guy who was in charge. He was the James Gunn at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And weeks leading up to the Batman Superman Dawn of Justice movie coming out, he's like, no, it's too soon for us to have a shared universe. It's too soon for us to have a plan. We can't do what Marvel did. We have to take it step by step. Right. Mm hmm. So then the the Batman Superman movie comes out. It does well. Your opinion of the quality of the movie is up to you. Um, And then the Flash TV show comes out that Tuesday. Mm -hmm. That Wednesday, they roll out their plan. Here's our shared universe. Here's the new person we're casting as the Flash. Let's see how that worked out for them. (laughs) Yep. Um, and here's how all these movies are going to interconnect with each other. And Todd, wouldn't you know that plan fell short because they probably threw something together at the last minute saying we should have had something. Why did we go out there and say that we had nothing like we're idiots? Let's throw something together quick over a weekend. Right. Mm -hmm. At least James Gunn is like, okay, here's the stuff that we've already moved and planned. Like we're going to let 2023 be as is. Who knows when some of this early stuff is coming out? We don't know if this is going to be 2024. Only thing we know is the Superman movie comes out in May of 2025. Right. That's it. So he's got at least a year and a half, maybe two years, to really start setting up the pieces for this. And he's told us what pieces he's using. And whether or not this appeals to you or not, at least it's something. Yep. And at least it's not all Batman, like I said. There is right. some diversity in there. Right. The fact that we had 10 projects announced and one of them was Batman. Right. And it's not even like, well, you know, here's a Batman, but here's also an Alfred show. And it's not really Batman. 
because it's Alfred, and like here's a Batgirl show, and then here's an Azrael show. Heaven forbid, you know. So it's not Batman, but it's pieces of the Batman universe. Right. Here's a Joker that- show, but it's really about Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Like Batman's already over, right? Let's yeah. try to use some of that Batman dust. <laughs> to get some other people over. A light sprinkling of that Batman dust, Joe? Yes, exactly. Right. Uh, so, hey, join us on the ride for whatever James James Gunn and uh, the other guy have planned for us going <laughs> right. forward it, into 2025. James Gunn and not James Gunn. Right. Uh, Pete Saran Rap, what's his name? <laughs> right, Saffron? Saffron, there you go. Uh, so, hey, there's also conventions this weekend. Uh, if you're out on the West Coast, Cal Comic Con in Costa Mesa, which I hear is lovely this time of year, uh, is happening on Sunday. And it's a straight-up Comic Con. Uh, Aaron Lepresti is going to be there. Randy Emberlin, Marv Wolfman, Joe Rubenstein, some new names, some old names, right. some names you don't see popping up at conventions all that much. Mm-hmm. Which I always love to see. Me too. Uh, so, hey, uh, you can go check out uh, the information about this convention and all the other stuff that's going on in the soon-to-be-named network in the show notes and also at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Uh, anytime any of the shows in the soon-to-be-named network go live, you can find them there, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, at odds with wrestling, we need wrestling. Puzzle Warriors three, profane arguments, wings on wings, the limited series, no chance in helmet, porch talk, and anytime anyone else from these shows go on other shows and they let me know, you'll find them over there at soon to be named network dot com. Right. How many uh, podcasts are you gonna be on this week, Joe? Seven? None. Nothing. None. Nothing. Uh, nobody could get in touch with you through social media. I bet. <laughs> Well, they can. They could. They could DM me, mm-hmm. but I can't reply to their DM from my browser, right. and I can't send screenshots right. or pictures or gifts in my DMs. And we have to be following each other for me to send you DMs. Anyway, right? Listen after dark for that and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of more, go check out some of our friends as well and what they're doing on the internet. Uh, go check out Mike Sterling's Progressive Ruin blog. Uh, he ended up getting a signed copy of one of the uh, spoof or one of the uh, parody comics that we love so much uh, over on the uh, Previewing the Past Patreon show. Joe, uh, as I'm scanning them, they don't let up. I'll tell you that much. All right. No spoilers. Mm-hmm. Oh, remind you know what? Um, there's something I got to um, ask you about with the previews. Okay. Remind me when we're done. Make a note for yourself. Doing that right now. In the middle of the plugs here. Uh, go check out our friend Kevin's uh, website, Mass Library, for the write-ups and blogs and videos that he does over there. Uh, go check out Rick Williams, the chop shop, freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. Uh, go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter and Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, two longtime listeners of this show. They self-published comic books. You can contact them to get information on how you can get digital and print copies of those books. 
Those are linked up in the show notes here as well. And hey, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green. I got their social media linked up here. Dave does all of his business and dealings over on Facebook. Uh, announcements when the books have arrived, what the new releases coming out are, what the hot books that you should order and when those final order cutoff days are. And sign up for the uh, mail order subscription service. Get books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And if you do, there's a chance that Becky will let Max, the, sh- the, the dog of the shop, draw a picture on your package for you. The real artist of the shop, I think. You know who has a portfolio of his work? Max. That's right. Uh, but you can go check out Becky's social media to see her sketches, her process, her commissions, all the stuff that she's done. Uh, she's a fantastic artist, and she should be really doing more to opportunityize that. There's that word again? <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's get into what we read from this past week, shall we? Sure. <clears throat> I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which is Human Target number 11. Um, the penultimate issue in this maxi series written by Tom King art by Greg Smallwood. <clears throat> now, uh, chance the human target himself. He, uh, has figured, finally figured out who is the murderer is though. I think there's going to be a bit of a swerve there and he decides to spend the day with him and discuss certain things about it. Um, Along the way, we end up finding out, I do like that uh, Chance has a side hustle because, you know, everybody doesn't need somebody to stand in to try and get killed every day. So he t- he has a job, as he takes a job as a prisoner. If you get to go to jail, he'll go do your time for a little while. Well, you get time to disappear and then he'll uh, break out and hopefully, you know, he goes back to his own life and you're, you're in the wind, hopefully. But he discusses that he's learned a lot, you know, doing that. And basically the thing he's learned is in the end, we all go down. And I do kind <clears> of <throat> like that. But uh, he's, you know, discussing with Ice his, uh, you know, the case and he's going to die and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I got it. I got it luckier than you. There's a great, like, I love the pages where Ice is always leaning on chance. They're, they're the best. And he ends up saying, like, I got it easy because I won't miss you. I'll just be gone. And she's crying. And she ends up relating the history of, like, how she died and how for the first time in her life she was able to not be the sweet, nice thing and cut loose and be a jerk. And uh, the plan that she ends up having. And I and it's really good. I really like all of it. And then in, in the end she basically kind of says, you know, do do what you have to do because uh, this will get closure for you before it's all over. Um, I, I don't like. I, I'm trying to be vague, but not too vague because I kind of believed who the killer was, kind of from the beginning. But I do think that he's going to swerve us, and it's somebody else. And in the end, uh, Chance is going to make thing right, make things right by going to get Luther himself in issue twelve. But all around. Uh, once again, I love this. This book looks beautiful. Uh, I'm looking to see how it finally ends. Um, please stick the landing, Tom King. Yeah, and again, this is the part that we've kind of gotten to once or twice before, where it's that ending that doesn't stick the landing, right? Right. Now, I like to take this, what we've been presented here at issue 11, and again, we're doing our best to be spoiler-free on this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you haven't been... <laughs> If you haven't been reading it up to this point, even if we were to spoil it for you, I don't think it would make that big of a difference. Right. But there might be people that are trade weight in it, right? Right. Okay. 
Uh, I'd like to take what we've been presented at face value and that who we've been told is the killer is the killer. Right. The attempted killer. Okay. Mm -hmm. I get where you're coming from because I definitely think that some of this person's dialogue, um, I don't want to say feels rehearsed, but definitely doesn't feel like them. And they're Go ahead. No, I was going to say, but that's sort of the kind of change they're implying. You know what I mean? Okay, right. And, And that's the thing. The change that they're implying. But other than them telling us this story, they really haven't shown that much of a change. At least that we've seen. There's one or two instances where they said, I did this, okay? Mm -hmm. And we have to take them at their word because it happened off camera. Or off panel, or whatever it was. I get you, I agree. Okay, so with all of that being said... I just think that what we've been presented is this person was the attempted killer, but they are so bad at this because it's not in their nature. That's why the plan failed. Right. That's my thought process on this. There's a line in here where that person says, you know, but you never did hear, uh, you never did hear me tell the truth. So I think they're implying they're a liar, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There's, it's it's really weird because this issue kind of threw me off guard and the last couple because stuff happens in between the issues and it's explained to us later. Yeah. Which kind of throws me. Right. Uh, and that's that's kind of where I'm getting to is right, right. that there's stuff that happens in between these issues that were told mm-hmm. by this person. Well, I did this and I did that. That sounds very out of character for you. Right, right. So, you know, maybe you are covering for someone or maybe you're just that bad of a liar. Uh, yeah. And you're not cut out for this cutthroat poison and billionaire's lifestyle. Right. Oh, what do you think you are, a wrestler? But uh, I'm just looking. I, I just look at it. I, like I said, I hope it. Uh, I hope it is a bit of a swerve, but we'll see. But yeah. a, a book that I definitely think does have a swerve is Saga 61, Joe. Well, wait. Before we get to Saga 61, which I agree that there's a swerve, I have to read to you my favorite moment from uh, Human Target number 11. Okay, because I have it right here. Uh, this is uh, uh, this is uh, Chance's inner monologue, right? Mm-hmm. Time went the way it goes. The sun kept falling. We moved the edge. We put our feed in the water. Oh. And they told their story. Feed, Todd? Their right. feed? They were feeding the fish, somebody said. Yeah? With their, with their little corn niblet toes? That's right. Yeah. Sometimes stuff slips by, Joe. Now, so I am reading this in my print copy, and I'm like, wait a minute. They must have fixed this for the the digital release, right? Right. And they didn't. They did not fix this for the digital release. And I'm surprised that the the internet is not like a buzz with this great book having such a weird typo in it, you know? Right, right. Well, Bleeding Cool never got it. We broke the story. So. Yeah, again, you just gotta, you know. They're trying to keep us down, Joe. They're waiting. <laughs> They're worried about us. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, this uh, will get people uh, interested in the uh, mistakes that were made in this book. In an otherwise nearly perfect uh, comic book. I agree. Yeah. All right, so you mentioned Saga number 61, uh, The Return of Saga, Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples, new story arc is here. Um, again, 
No spoilers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are six months into the future from where we last left off, right? Right. We got our side, let's say our B plot and our B minus plot, uh, where Gwen and the Will are working together. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe making strange bedfellows, if you will, uh, yeah. as they are trying to find uh, Hazel and the rest of the crew uh, after losing their ship. Uh, Hazel and Prince Robot, the whatever, are essentially panhandling um, while their mom is off doing whatever it is that she needs to do to make money. She has a courier job, um, a fulfillment thing at a warehouse, right? Mm-hmm. but they still have necessities. They still have things that they need. So where do they get those things uh, in this world? At the pawn shop potions and microwave repair store. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it's a barter system, of course, because they're trying to stay off the grid. And the woman who runs the place, Vich, they're in the back, they're making deals. We got some books. She's fixing some uh, microwaves and stuff back there. And uh, the ring that uh, she's wearing kind of passes the, or uh, attracts the fancy of Vich, who runs the microwave repair barter shop, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get the story of what that ring means, right? Right. And then our last, like, two pages, we get hit with, like, a gut punch, mm-hmm. right? Um, That if we have certain things available to us, um... Vich can make something happen. And I'm being real vague, right? Right. Um, if you read the preview of the book that's out there, and if you've been following the book, maybe you'll figure it out. Uh, but we are also shown that Hazel overhears this conversation happening. And I think that's the bigger issue that we get. And that's where we're going to get our schism going forward. Yeah, I agree. Though, like I said, I do think it's a big fake out. Um, but I- I'm with you. And I do like little Prince Robit. Um just like they're trying to keep low key and he has the uh, uh, ACAB shirt on and, yes. and the mother's just like, come on, like I may agree with you, but we're trying to keep a low profile. Right. Like I just love kids actually being dumb kids, but not super dumb. You know what I mean? Like, like Carl in walking dead, you know, kind of stupid, but uh, I just, this book is, is always really, really, really good. So Right, and there's a lot of little bits in here, a lot of little things that we get to see and hear or whatever that I'm sure are going to pay off during the course of this storyline, or maybe not. Like mm-hmm. Prince Robot realizing that he can maybe shapeshift his arm into a weapon, right? That was a cool, like, just subtle thing. Yeah, just very subtly as the panels are going by, he's figuring things out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what? And there's, like, a lot of, like, this felt like, and obviously... We had a much bigger gap between the previous storyline and the storyline before that versus this storyline and the other storyline, right? Right. So we only had six months here, whereas before we had, like, over two years in between. Um, Obviously, so it's a little bit more fresh, but I felt as though this was a much better jumping-on point for a new reader than the previous one was. Right. And uh, I will say the one little thing that made me happy kind of like you said with the arm on Prince Robot is uh, somebody asking somebody in the question and in the presence of lion cat and they won't answer. Mm. And lion cats like just got his wide eyes wide. Like, well, you're going to answer that. And I'll tell you whether you're lying or not. Kind of a deal. And I'm like, I missed lion cat so much. 
Definitely a good little goes a long way character, but uh, mm-hmm. it's always uh, delightful when they show up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, two good books this week. That's always a positive when the stuff that we choose to read and talk about on the show ends up being good stuff, you know? I don't think we'll have two good books next week, though, Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday we put up the poll post. Uh, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home. However it is, you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead over me with one correct guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, Todd, in a shocker, you've doubled the amount of books that I'm getting this week. Right, right. So... Uh, I'll let you go first, Todd. What'd you say? I'll let you go first. Oh, this is a tough one. Is it Where Monsters Lie, number one? (laughs) It is, Todd. The only book that I'm getting this week, just the way that the cards were dealt, Mm -hmm. um, the one book that is coming out the first Wednesday of the month Mm -hmm. happens to be the book that I would have been looking forward to if there was 15 books coming out this week. Maybe not Saga, but definitely for sure, this would have been like the 1A right behind Saga, which that's not a bad place uh, to be, right? Right, I agree. If Eric dealt you those cards, you would have lost. But anyway. Right. I um, don't know the names of my dealers, you know? (laughs) Your dealer? Yeah. Um, But before we get into talking about the book, I'm going to guess that's the same book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. How, how do you not know it's not Flash One Minute War special number? No, it's what what where monsters lie. It's always Kyle Stark's book, you know. <laughs> I was gonna say I feel as though that Flash book is getting put in a box somewhere. I'll read it because I have two books this week. Yes, but then it's getting put in a box. Uh, so this is Kyle Stark's latest book. Um, Kyle was nice enough to send us a preview copy of this a little while ago. Um, you know, we did our best to kind of let you know when the final order cutoff for it still was. Um, it's It just so happens that it lands in a week where there is nothing else coming out that strikes either of our fancy. So we highly recommend picking this book up this week digitally in print. There's two covers. It's not a ver- it's not like a uh, like an exclusive higher priced variant. It's a normal size variant. Buy both covers. Yes. Yeah, nothing else to buy, right? Right. Um, and just for the um, sake of folks that, uh, you know, um, don't just buy Kyle Stark's books without reading what they're about. Um, this is what, like, your slasher monsters, your creeps and your so forths do either in between their murder sprees or where they're no longer able to go out and do their murder sprees. Right. A uh, little bit of horror. Looks like a little bit of comedy. Um, definitely something I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, with I Hate This Place more recently, and we got I Hate This Place returning in, uh, March. So we're going to have two Kyle Starks books kind of going on con- concurrently in a couple months. I'm looking forward to those. Kyle leaning a little bit more into the horror genre, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, because there's always his brand of humor in there, and I really think that always helps. Uh, get his books to connect with an audience that they might not normally connect with. Right. What if they two Kyle Starks books go up against each other? <sighs> I'm going to have to flip a coin. In the, well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. There you go. 
Well, we're, that's March's problem. Right. That's March's problem. Uh, all right. Well, while you're over at longboxheroes.com checking out that robots pull list that both Todd and I posted <laughs> up, uh, you could certainly check out our ongoing series for 2023 for Todd and Joe have issues where we are doing a full reread from the beginning of Sandman. Uh, this mm-hmm. week we're reading issues nine and 10. It's typically going to be about two issues a week. Um, there are some weeks where there's going to be more. If there's like a 48th page special that falls in there, uh, some or less rather, you know, one issue, um, or there might be more if it's like a mini series or short stories that are collected in a bunch of places. Um, if you are reading along with us, of course, definitely reach out to me and I'll give you the full reading list, no problem. Uh, we do have how the uh, trades are collected. You know, obviously these are books that have been collected many, many different ways, uh, hardcovers. Uh, omnibus, um, all those sort of things, but just, you know, doing the best that we can, uh, to cover the most wide variety of where the people would be reading this, you know, unlike me and Todd, which are probably in single issues. Right. Which is interesting because you mentioned that they've been collected many ways, you know what I mean? Over the years, which I did a little journalism. And before we get into the book, I'm going to, you asked me a question whether or not Sandman eight was in the, was in the doll's house trade paperback, right? In some iteration of it, yes. Right. It was in the very first one, as I said last time. What I did not know when I looked up is Doll's House was the first Sandman trade to be made. So the first, like, eight issues or the first seven issues were just not collected. They were technically the second trade? Yes, after the first trade, which was Doll's House, with um, issue eight in it. Uh, the reason eight was in it was because it sold so well and DC demanded it and they put it in and Neil Gaiman hated it because he felt that eight was the ending of the first storyline. So in subsequent uh, reprints, it was taken out because he asked them to. Interesting. And thank you very much for your journalism. That's why you're on the show. That's what I do. I'm the Sandman aficionado on this show. Um, so, uh, Getting into the book, the issues that we read, uh, which would be issue uh, nine, which is a kind of a one shot uh, called The Tale in the Sand, um, which takes place in Africa someplace. And two uh, people who live there are going off to for the the right of becoming a man. Um, you get told this tale and they end up saying there are many tales and they go through like a bunch of them. Um, which are all fake. I found out Neil made them all up, but they sound completely realistic, uh, which I, I thought was cool. And they tell you this tale is only told to you once. Um, like I said, because you become a man and the way they definitely explain that you become a man seems very, very painful. Um, especially at that age. Yes. Not as a, as a baby. Um, and the older person tells the, the younger one, like, Hey, go get the firewood and I'll, I, uh, I'm going to make the fire, not uh, make the fire. You go look for it and come back. And he's like, look for what? He's like, you'll know what it is when you find it. And he comes back and he's holding a piece of glass in the shape of the, of a heart. And he begins to tell him, uh, the story. And the story is like many, like thousands of years before now, um, our people, lived in this area, but they lived in a prosperous area. It's not a desert as it is now. And it was so prosperous. You just simply closed your eyes and threw a spear and you would hit something. There would be something good on the end of it to eat. And the city was, it was big. It was made of glass. 
and uh, it was uh, ruled by uh, Queen, and her name was Nada. We've heard that name before, I believe. Um, and she was she reached her sixteenth year, and she was the most beautiful person in the you know the kingdom, as most stories are. And they're like, well, why have you been married? And she's like, well, where's the man for me? And everybody would fall silent. So one day, this mysterious stranger comes to the village, and she sees him from the tower. And she's like, that's the guy for me. She did not sleep after that. And she ordered everybody in the city to try and find him, but he had disappeared. So uh, she goes out into into the world to try and find them, and she starts talking to the king of birds. Um, and she's like, I'm looking for this person. And the bird like is like, well, I'll ask all my, you know, bird followers. And they don't know who she is. But there was one little weaver bird who's like, I did see them. He's like, it was a man who gave me food. He was so nice to me. And then he just vanished. And the king bird's like, oh, this is no man. This or no God, but something else. Forget him. Um, being with this person, being immortal with this person is bad. And he's like, she, she doesn't really listen. But the weaver bird says, I can help you out. Nearby, the, or uh, for many treks away, there's a bush or tree that has flaming berries on it. If you eat one, they say, you're, you're, you know, you'll find, you'll be able to find your lover. She's like, well, how am I going to get it? And he's like, I'll fetch it for you. And he brings it back, this little white bird. But because it was burning the whole time, he had turned brown. And this is why the birds where they live are constantly brown and um, uh, no one will ever harm them. I like all the little things that they add to the story. Like, it's not just this one story of Nada and the loss of her true love, which we'll get to. It's all these other little bits. And I just want to throw in there real quick, um, you know, obviously Neil Gaiman, but this is uh, Mike Dringenberg and Malcolm Jones on art, right? Yes. That panel specifically of the Bird King, uh, where he tells Nada to go find a breathing man made of flesh and bone and blood and skin. Uh, This other can never be yours. That image that he draws there of the Bird King is one of my favorite images in all of Sandman. Like, it's just such a wild and manic looking Bird King. Right. I love it so much. That's That's a face on a Bird King you listen to, Joe. That's right. Right. So Nada ends up eating the berry and she falls asleep um, and she wakes up and she sees Cain and Abel fighting because she's in the dreaming now. Um, and he kills, you know, Abel as he, as he often does. He's like, what is this place? And Cain tells her it's the dream world. And the, the, the leader is Kakul, the Lord of Dreams. That's how we know him from back in issue four. And she goes to his uh living place and she's meet met by the guardians who they just you know i think this is their fir- first appearance i love the guardians later on in the book um and she ends up seeing this person like i he has the helm on and he takes it off and he realize she realizes that he's the one you know that she's looking for and they end up you know being together um and she he says that he's one of the endless um, who are not gods and will never die like gods. And she, what, Joe? I didn't say anything. Oh, I'm I thought you said finish. Something. Nope. I'm sorry. And in the, like, she's like, oh my God. And then terror kind of seizes her heart. She makes herself cough up the berry. 
He's like, uh, why do you flee me? She's like, mortal man, you know, I hunted you because I love you more than mortal man has ever loved a woman. And she's like that, that but you are the endless mortals cannot be with you. Um, so she ends up trying to, uh, run and he chases her down, whether this is like vague, whether it's in dream format or cause she could actually turn into a gazelle. Um, he like haunts her and she's like, Oh, I'll do something that'll make you, uh, never want me, you know, in most societies, she ends up doing something. So she's no longer pure. And he's like, no, that doesn't matter to me. I'm something different. Um, I, you know, I don't care about that. He ends up healing her wounds and they end up, you know, making love uh, on a mountain over the city. The next day, the sun sees what has happened. A mortal person can't love one of the endless. And it releases a fireball down onto the city. And the desert is now strewn with shards of glass. Um, And she realizes this is because of what I've done. And she ends up throwing herself off the mountain. And before Morpheus can save her, she's in the realm of death. Um, and he ends up saying, listen, I I can't be without you. Please, uh, don't, don't don't, like marry me. And if you end up walking away from me again, I will sentence you to eternal damnation. And she's like, I can't, you know, it's not worth what's going to happen. I have to go. Um, and he, and the, the older gentleman says, and that's the end of the story. He's like, that's the end of the story that doesn't have you know, an end, even though we know she was sentenced to eternal damnation. Um, he's like, well, uh, there are some other people like the women tell a different version of the story. Um, but that's all you're going to get. And you'll tell your child or grandchild someday as we only tell the story once. Um, and I like that it implies that there's a version of the story that, you know, might be a little meaner if you get my meaning. I don't know. You know what I mean? But it just paints Morpheus as a jerk all around joe yes so again this is a one-off this is to fill in the gap of who that character was that we saw in issue four that morpheus has that interaction with while he's in hell but i think the greater um i guess tale that this story tells is Mm -hmm. so that we have reference for later to show the growth and change that morpheus is making in his life Oh, most definitely. This is how he had been for a very long time. Yep. And And it was the events of him being trapped in Roger Burgess's dungeon, basement, whatever, that has is going to slowly but surely change him Mm -hmm. uh, over the ways. But this is also to let our, I think it's also to let the readers know that the the protagonist of our story is a real jerk. Yep. And there may be some clues in the glass and stuff like that as we go. Just there's a lot of stuff going on in these next two issues that's set up. Oh, maybe the next 70 issues, you know? Yes. But, but uh, so we go into uh, issue 10, which is the doll's house proper, uh, like the first issue of that. And now we're not in the dreaming. We're in the threshold, which is where desire of the endless Sandman's sister um, and her realm, instead of like, you know, a dream world is it's a giant version of desire, um, that it has like its veins are and body are like 
it's it's a big building. Like you, they even say you can walk through and never see the same place twice before you die, which I thought was was really cool. And the only place that desire would li- live is in the heart of this thing, which I thought was cool. And the other thing uh, Neil Gaiman says about this is he loves the idea in the book called The Doll's House is he made Desire's house a house that's a giant doll, which I thought was like, he's like, I always thought that was kind of cool. So Desire goes to where the sigils are, which are what the represent the other endless in her family. And we only see some of them. I like that they make us guess because they, they haven't mentioned all the names of the family yet. And she ends up going to Big Brother. Uh, Morpheus' helmet says, I'm watching you. And she ends up calling her twin sister, uh, Despair. Um, and she's like, I have news. And she's like, has the prodigal returned? And we don't know who the prodigal is, but we'll learn that way down the line. And she's like, no, I speak of dream. And she's like, listen, the, the elder three don't play our games. And he's like, it won't work. It like it, it didn't work last time. And uh, Desire goes, no, it it didn't. Nada was a mistake. So we're finding out that whatever happened with that, that was machinations from Desire, who's a bit of you know a bad person maybe, um, and says that well things are things are changing. There's a dream vortex, the first in a long time, and it's a woman. So uh, Despair's like, so we wait. He's like, we're the endless. What else do we have to do? Um, and Despair's like, I don't want to know anymore. He's like, farewell, my twin. I must think about this. And they go. And this cuts to now Rose, who's on a plane with her mother, I'm, heading to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject there, right? Okay, no problem. Sorry. So, no, it's okay. So, our opening bit there, where we start outside of dreams home realm whatever right mm-hmm. and we get all that narration on those first like two pages right right you mean desire what got desire my apologies desire so we get all that narration um so much of that resonated with me in regards to a want okay mm-hmm. whenever and this was you know a time years ago i'm not in a position to do that anymore and it's obviously much smaller scale but whenever i was working with someone uh, in wrestling and they needed some sort of inspiration for a promo especially if they were a heel a bad guy and especially if they were going for a title I would have them read this I would send them these two pages okay mm-hmm. and I would say don't take this but understand what this means and put that into your own words and I would do that to a lot of people. I would like use this as inspiration for a bad person wanting something. Mm-hmm. And you just ruined Sandman for me. No, listen, no, I, you'd be surprised how many people uh, in the world of sports and entertainment enjoyed this book greatly. Again, it, it crosses all genres and all types, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So we're back to uh, Rose. Uh, Walker and her mother uh, have been chartered a flight to the UK to meet a mysterious benefactor. Right. And I like that uh, Rose is saying she had a dream that with a huge fat British guy and these women were all living in a house. I'm like, oh, maybe some foreshadowing, right? Uh huh. So they get there and uh, and I even like, and he said, and, and I found Jed again, which is the first mention of Jed in this. Um, and they get there. 
And we end up finding out that there's a man waiting for them, and he's a lawyer. But over there, they call him a solicitor, um, and they're going to take him to see Miss Kincaid. Uh, and he's like, my client will tell you everything when they get there. Um, and so Rose, once again, falls asleep in the back of the car, and we get to see uh, Lucian, the librarian, talking to Abel. And in this, there's a bit where the page kind of turns, but it doesn't, if you know what I mean. Yes. And Dridgenberg said in an interview that he drew this so that it felt like Rose's world was turning on its side. Um, whenever she would like, this was the beginning of her going, like, it, being a part of this story and her whole world was upset. So I was like, okay, at least that, you know, now I understand why the page is laid out like it is. But Lucian is talking to Abel. Like I'm doing a, you know, who resides here? And he's like, oh, it's me, um, you know, yeah, Goldie, the unspeakable thing in the, in the in the basement, and blah blah blah. And Lucian's like, check, 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 perfect. And don't go listening to any foolish rumors. Um, so Lucian goes through. He's like doing all the numbers. He's counting stuff, and he gets to Morpheus, and he says, I've completed the census. And he's like, you've tallied them all. And he's like, yeah, pretty much, except for a few, you know, the lesser dreams, um, you know, are gone. Some new things have popped up while you were gone. He's like, this is all be to expected. But he's like, before the major arcana are gone. Okay. And he's like, before what? you list the four major arcana, right? Mm -hmm. So we're still in the dream. This, the pages are still turned sideways. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, that page where it's, you know, it's essentially a two page spread where Lucian comes in and we get that shot, which would be like in the upper right corner because you have to turn the thing sideways. Right. Mm -hmm. Where it's that close up of dream. And he's got like that purple thing on his eye, like a twinkle, a twilight or whatever. A glint. Yes. A glint, if you will. Um, there's something that's, and again, I don't want to say alluring, but there's something that's just so different about the way Dream looks there than any way that he's been presented in the book so far. Okay, and I can't I, put my finger on it, you know? I don't know, because it just looks like the way Drigenberg especially wrote, drew him, other than the clothes, after he fought uh, D. You know what I mean? Where yeah, but like, just as an example, like if you turn to the next page where you have the two laid out things... And again, we have the bit where right before Rose wakes up, right? Mm -hmm. And those two shots of Dream, Dream looks almost like older and like more harder features on his face. Right. Whereas on that one shot, that close up, it's a much more soft and it's a much more welcoming and it's a much more enticing look to Dream. Okay. And again, I just something that uh, about the art. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not. Oh, well, I'm, first of all, I'm saying it's good, but it's just something that sticks out about the art to me in this. Mm -hmm. Um. So, so go ahead. There's four things missing. Yes. Right. He's like brute and glob of your staff, sire. And he's like, you know, they aren't anywhere to be found. I don't trust me. He's like, it's not in their nature to be trusted. So who else? Like, well, the Corinthian. He's like, well, that could be bad news. <laughs> oh, the Corinthian. You mean the main villain of the Netflix show? Yep, yep. Who, you know, appears a little earlier in the Netflix show. Um, and the fourth, Fiddler's Green. Um, and he's like, he's nowhere. I've checked twice. And he's like, hmm. He's He was one of my most loyal. It's very weird that he's gone. And even Lucian agrees. He's like... Um, he's like, well, if this wouldn't have happened if I was around, he's like, it's not your fault. 
uh, that that's happened. And I like uh, Dream. And this is also the thing that they even established in 8 is that he's very big on responsibilities. Huge. Like, you say, like, how he changes over the years. One of the big things is, like you're saying he's a jerk, is the way he views his responsibilities throughout uh, this. And he basically takes it upon his shoulder that uh, this is because of me. And Lucian's like, well, like, let it go. But he's like, but amongst that, he's like, there's there's gossip that something big is happening. Uh, another vortex. He's like, and that's a rumor, right? And he's like, nope, nope. That's true. Uh, there is indeed a vortex, a true amulet. And he's like, this is the first of this era. And he's like, oh, well, it must be controlled. And he's like, no, we don't have to worry about it. The vortex is a she, not an it. If you look closely, you'll see observing us now from the corner of the room, the person who's our problems. And I do like Dridgenberg's art in this where everybody and they like have Lucian do the close up, like looking. He's like, oh, you're right, Lord. Quintessential vortex material. And she's so young. And then, boom, Rose wakes up and like the page turns again. And just that's so that feels like such a bit with dreamlike i don't know how to explain what i want to say but them doing this whole discussion and then pointing it's you and she's like oh my god it's me that I, there's times where neil just makes me feel like i'm legit in a dream and that's one of them mm-hmm. and that's something that we get to see more and more as the book drifts away from the actual dc universe especially yes so yeah. they get to the house and they say uh there's like, oh, she owned all this big house. Like, no, it's a nursing home. Our, our client is elderly. And he asks, like, what's an, she asks, what's an annulet? And he's like, it's kind of a ring. But uh, I'm shocked that a girly like you would know that. And she's like, I didn't know that. It was something in my dream. And please don't call me girly. I'm 21 and wouldn't have liked it when I was 10. And this starts to establish, like, how young she looks for her age. That she almost looks like a child. You know what I mean? Um, and this is when we end up getting, uh, introduced to Unity Kincaid. And at this point, if you recognize the name, it's the, the woman who was stricken with the sleepy sickness all the way back in issue one, um, uh, of, uh, Sandman. And she ends up giving her like a bit of like her, her life. And, you know, there's nothing left of her life except for that doll's house. And she ends up saying, well, I'm, you know, your mother and your grandmother. And they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense. This is the mother's like, this is crazy. He's like, Rose, give us some time. I'm going to explain it to your mother. And she ends up leaving and she ends up hearing voices. And it's the three witches, whatever you want to call them, the hectate. They're different types. And then she's like, oh, who are you? She's like, oh, your whole family's here, except for your brother. Of course, she's like, Jed, you know who Jed is? Like, yeah, names, names, like, uh, each is single, but aspect of the whole. And, like, we kind of want to help you, um, but, and you, we are the Trinity, but you wouldn't want to meet us as the kindly ones. Um, that's not good. And I'm like, okay, there's another aspect of them. Uh huh. And she says, like, we were, we're trying to protect you. And she says, protect me from what? And they give her, like, all these vague answers, like, posies from life, uh, from more than life, from the things that hover beyond life, thrashing themselves against it, trying to get in. Daughter, beware dreams and houses. 
And she's like, who, who are you? What are you here? And they're like, oh, and they change and they start changing into like an owl and a, and a cat and a, you know, the scary version of a witch. He's like, you asked the wrong questions. If you had asked the right one, we could have warned you against the Corinthian and told you of Jed and of Morpheus. Now you have to find out all on your own. Good luck. And she's like, I don't get any of this. I'm turning on the light in this room. And it ends up being a closet. Um, and they, she comes out and her mother's there with uh, Unity. And she's like, she really is my mother. And they ex- explain how when she was young, something happened while she was in the coma. Someone assaulted her. And, you know, the baby was given up for adoption. And while all this is going on, in the little doll's house, Dream is watching, which is creepy, Joe. Super creepy. And there, once again, is that glint in his eye, as you were saying. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm wondering if that has to do something with the vortex. And so Unity's like, Rose, I'm going to give you something. Uh, here is uh, a ring. And she's like, the, the amulet. And she's like, what? It's something I heard in the dreaming. What's happening? Uh, she, I saw this woman. She knew about Jed. She said she'd beware the Corinthian. What's the Corinthian? Cut to a motel in on the Millo, Texas, Joe, and the Corinthian. He's getting his like, he's like uh, getting room service, and he's got a bottle, and he walks in. He's like, "Thank you, I'll, I'm good." And he goes, and there's somebody tied up, a boy, a man, a young man, in the bathtub in his underwear, and he's like, "Good, I'm glad you didn't go anywhere. You took my advice." The guy's like, "Please let me go." He's like, "Davy, I said we were going to play, didn't I?" And now we're ready. Now it's playtime. He pulls out the knife. And uh, next issue, moving in, Joe. Okay. Uh, so obviously, this is a much bigger story in the comic. Um, you know, in the graphic novels that we read here, you know, however many issues it goes through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this whole story gets truncated. And I, I would hate to say rushed through, but having just recently finished the TV show this weekend. Right. Um, the... So, so this is six issues, right? Mm-hmm. And they truncate into what, like three, maybe two episodes of the TV show, right? But, um, they set things up, of course, um, with you know the Corinthians already been established since episode one of the TV show. Um, they throw into the TV show, which I don't remember happening, and if it does happen, it doesn't ring. You know, maybe I just don't remember it. Where there's a little bit of a spat, a little bit of a difference of opinion. With uh, Morpheus and Lucian in the TV show, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then I feel as though, obviously, in the comic, you're allowed to let things breathe and, you know, what have you a little bit more. Whereas just having watched the TV show, I felt it was all rushed through. Like that, Doll's House itself could have been its own six to nine episode series of a TV show, right? Right. Um, obviously I'm not an editor. I'm not Neil Gaiman. They made the decisions. It was still good. But as we get ready to read this, I'm just like, there's so much they left out. There's so much that they left out, you know? Right. I mean, they changed the mother didn't go with them on the trip, right? Right. The mother didn't go with them on the trip. Um, obviously in the comic Rose is, I think she says what she's 21, 22, Right. But she looks younger in the TV show. She actually is younger. She is like a teenager. I thought, no, I thought she was older, but she looks young again, too. No, I, I definitely think that they say that she's like in between. Like, she's definitely not in her 20s. I think she's like maybe like a late teen, right? 
Okay. And I think, you know, obviously by them age actually aging her down, there's some stuff that happens a little bit later on that of course they couldn't do, or they won't do, and they can't do. Um trying to think what else is there. Obviously here in the book, Rose is like right on top of this. Like there's something wrong almost immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Where in the TV show it takes Rose a little bit longer to figure out like things are real bad. Right. You know? Um, like she has the bits where she goes into the dreaming a couple times, and I think maybe she handles it better in the TV show, whereas in the comic book she's like more freaking out than anything else. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I love this. This is great. Um, I don't know what else to say. Um, other than um, this is you know one of the best comic. This is another one. Like this is one of the best comic book stories of all time. As Todd mentioned before, this is why this was the first collection of the Sandman that was ever you know, produced, you know? Right. Um, it was kind of produced, I think, because the eight issues had come out, and then he had, and in that eight issues, they put the eighth in the in the Doll's House one, because it had that explanation of the first seven issues. Yeah. Which worked really well. And then, in in that same interview, during the opening, like, the, the introduction, Neil gives another introduction, because he didn't think eight was going to be in there. Um, and, but he had it kind of, he just used the eight one as a template. And then there's stuff that wasn't even in the issues that he never got around to putting in, but he was like, oh, this happened off panel in between pages. So here as a gift to somebody who was getting the trade, he was like, here's more stuff. Um, he's always just like trying to give you more story, which is ridiculous. But the fact, and then preludes and nocturnes comes out after dream country and uh, after uh, doll's house and dream country comes out at the same time. And to bring it all around, they end up giving you us a slipcase edition. If we want of the first three trades, right? Cause those would be the only three trades of Sandman that there would ever be right. Never again. Would there be <laughs> any more? Yes. I'm, I'm with you. I'm ready to get through this. And I'm already thinking about like the stories between this and uh, seasons of mist, which is next. And I'm like, Oh, I want to jump ahead so much, but I have to like slow myself down. Yep, I'll I'm be pace, at 75. I'm, right. I'm pacing myself because then I'll like read too far ahead. And then I'm like, Oh, I got to go back and read it again yep. because I got to have it fresh in my head for the show. You know? Yep. Yep. Uh, so next week, uh, like I said, you know, we just finished up nine and 10 uh, next week. We're going to have 11 and 12. Yep. So far, it's been easy. Yes, uh, so far easy. It gets a little sticky a little bit further down the line, but we're at least another, oh my goodness, uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and we're at least another three months away from there being any sort of uh, adjusting with the reading list, you know? Yep. Uh, but it's not too much of an adjustment, so uh, hopefully you're following along. Hopefully this inspires you to check out Sandman. Um either for the first time or revisit it like Todd and I hour. Mm-hmm. Um, some other stuff that you could revisit is if you go sign up for our Patreon, it's little as a dollar a month. Uh, you can get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. Uh, the movie show has just started for 2023 where we're doing comic book oddities. Uh, we just came off doing the uh, essentially a twofer where we did the <laughs> Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie and the documentary about the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. Of the non-previewing the past ones, I would say one of our high spots, Joe. Yes. Uh, Honestly, yeah. not good. 
Right, I was going to say, definitely a fun time recording, talking about it, the whole thing. Uh, both the movie itself and the documentary are freely available on YouTube, uh, and the links to those are in the show notes on that Patreon episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could find them yourself. You know, YouTube's easy to work, right? Yeah, there's a little search thing. You'll be fine. Uh, next faith in you. Yeah, next movie upcoming is the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury made-for-TV movie, right. uh, which Todd has seen and I have never seen. I have seen, but I will say this. I don't remember it. Yeah. So I'm going in like I banged my head off the counter. Oh, well. As long as you didn't bang your head off the wall, you're okay. Oh, that's it. Uh, No podcast for a week. All right. Uh, And then this week, uh, we're going to be recording February 1993's Previewing the Past where we look at uh, 30 years ago this month's previews catalog to see what the world of comics and so forth have looked like. Um, and we also have the full scans, expertly, professionally done, high-grade scans up on the Patreon. All of those things are available at any level. Um, $5 a month is going to get you the, the podcasts two weeks before everyone else, and it's also going to get you After Dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Yeah, yeah. there is no Public sale going on this week, uh, but you can head over to Public and purchase all sorts of designs inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, on anything from cell phone covers to notebooks. And, of course, you can always go to our sh- store and purchase shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. I got them sitting here in the office ready to be shipped out right to you. Right. And I think that's it. No art attacks this week. No art attacks this week and no shows at the end, like we said before. No TV shows, no movies, no nothing like that. We got about a two-week reprieve uh, before we have to really worry about any of that. And uh, I guess that's it, huh? Yeah, that's everything. All right. Well, for Todd, this is Joe saying thank you very much for listening. This was episode 643 of Longbox Heroes, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.